Since the fall of the monarchy and the declaration of the Brazilian Republic in 1889, every year on September 7th, the military has held a parade. Troops from every branch of the armed forces march down the streets of Rio de Janeiro or Brasilia with military bands pounding out the national anthem. The grandeur of this yearly commemoration has become a staple of national festivity in Brazil, a day of victory, liberty, and glorious patriotism, but a celebration that contradicts the actual events of Brazil's Independence Day in 1822. As we described in episode 2, the first September 7th was a little more than a largely insignificant reactionary declaration made by a sickly king sitting atop a mule. Over the years and throughout the different regimes that have ruled Brazil, September 7th celebrations have changed in appearance and significance. In fact, it wasn't even Brazil's first national day of independence, although it's the only one commemorated today. Well, step into the time machine, it's time to party. On September 7th, Brazil will celebrate the 200th anniversary of its independence from Portugal. Riddled with family betrayals and historical inconsistencies, this period in Brazil is a truly peculiar and fascinating one, especially when compared with its Latin American neighbors. Independence elsewhere on the continent was a story of revolutionaries and republics. In Brazil, it was a story of the emancipation of a prince from his father and the independence of a country that did not exist yet. In this special mini-series, we'll walk you through the eccentricities and myths of this period, its legacy in the country 200 years later, and how Brazil became Brazil. I'm Caroline Coutinho of the Brazilian Report, and this is 1822, a special four-part series about how an independent Brazil came to be. As we mentioned in episode 2, October 12, 1822, marked the public proclamation of Brazilian independence and the ascendancy of Dom Pedro to the role of emperor. In the presence of foreign dignitaries, Brazilians flooded the streets of Rio de Janeiro and parties erupted throughout the city. We go back to Professor Henry Cray of the University of Calgary, who we have heard in previous episodes. The Portuguese monarchs were traditionally acclaimed, um, and so they, that, that is part of a ceremony in which there's kind of a, a symbolic popular acclamation of the monarch. It is an enormous, uh, enormous ceremony, lots and lots of... Uh, uh, Energy goes into this, um, and that many at the time in 1822 considered in Rio de Janeiro considered that really the the date of independence, the declaration of uh, of independence. As October 12th was also Dom Pedro I's birthday, it quickly became the principal date of national commemoration and independence celebrations. 
September 7th, meanwhile, was a smaller affair, although the date still held significance. What basically happens was in the, already in 1823, um, the Constituent Assembly, once the anniversaries of major events in uh, 1822 approach, the first anniversary, they, they declare that uh, such of September was the day of the Declaration of Independence, and they have a quite a big uh, uh, public ceremony and celebration of this involving the involving all of the typical rich colonial uh, late colonial uh, early independence uh, rituals in terms of uh, the day of mass in terms of a, a parade of troops in terms of uh, fireworks in terms of reception in the palace all of this stuff so much so that in 1823 the US uh, ambassador actually writes after such of the September he says wait a minute you know I, I I thought the 12th of October was Independence Day but here these Brazilians are celebrating on the 7th of September. Um, they also have a big celebration on the 12th of October, and over the course of the 1820s, they kind of celebrate both days, more or less equally, um, sometimes a little more emphasis on one, sometimes a little bit more emphasis on the other. So, so you really can't say that 7th of September was not important or ignored. It was mm -hmm. just, it competed with um, <clears throat> the, the 12th of October, the acclamation date. And as time went on, more Independence Days cropped up. As we explained in episode 3, the province of Bahia did not adhere to the Brazilian Empire right away, only gaining independence in 1823. For the Bahia locals, it didn't make sense to commemorate September 7th or October 18th. There, they preferred July 2nd, the day Portuguese troops left Bahia and the new country began to take shape. Um, there's a number of things that make it very, very different from uh, the Sete de Setembro uh, uh, patriotism. Um, first of all, it's the, the, the center of the Dois de Julio celebrations for most of its history is a procession into the city of Salvador from the outskirts of kind of reproducing the, um, the entry of the Ezerto Pacificador. And the second thing that's distinctive about it is the use of uh, Indianist symbols, the two statues of the Caboclo and, and, now, and then the Cabocla. Uh, again, don't forget the origins of this is a long, complicated history. But these statues then come to symbol um, symbolize a lot of different things, from uh, symbolizing Brazil, symbolizing independence, symbolizing Mayan uh, uh, patriotism. Um, also, start to gain uh, Afro-Brazilian religious significance. Uh, so there's a number of multiple meanings of this, and um, they seem to be very popular symbols. They are, in some sense, uh, very much appropriation of Indians, uh, as opposed to uh, something uh, that, that, that's uh, something created by indigenous peoples themselves, um, because, of course, they're looking for, and that, of course, connects to the, the broader use of the Indian as a symbol of, of 19th century Brazil, which is about finding a symbol for the nation that is definitely American, but isn't Portuguese and isn't African. So you get that kind of idealization of, of the, uh, the indigenous uh, uh, people as, as the true Brazilians, even as you know, the frontiers and so on, they're still uh, fighting wars against indigenous people and they're not incorporating them into the nation. And, and one could go on today too in thinking about the contradictions there. Doisa Julia Festival by the mid-19th century is a, an enormously popular festival, way more popular than 7th of September. And the Brazilians who visit Bahia and see this festival are completely baffled by it. They, don't, they talk about 10, 20, 30,000 people in the streets of Salvador for the festival, for this procession. Um, 
there's a whole kind of culture around Dois de Julho poetry celebrating Bahian patriotism, celebrating Bahia's contribution to independence, making the argument that Bahia, that independence was finally com achieved only on Dois de Julho, uh, 2nd of July, 1823, with the, uh, the Patriot victory over the Portuguese. <laughs> Every year, Bahia celebrates its independence by recreating the arrival of native troops into the city of Salvador, which signaled the Portuguese defeat. In stark contrast to the September 7th military parades, July 2nd in Salvador consists of a popular and lively parade, with floats and costumes and plenty of music. The icons of the parades are the caboclo and cabocla, people descending from indigenous and European ancestry who represents native Bahia resistance to the Portuguese troops. As time progressed, independence parties around Brazil became political and celebrations were a statement. Uh, in the 25th of March, 1830, um, radical liberals in Rio de Janeiro organized a big celebration of the Constitution. That was the day that the Constitution was proclaimed, or the day that Pedro swore his oath to the 1824 Constitution, and it was one of the days of national festivity established by Parliament in 1826, uh, alongside the 7th of September, the 12th of October. Uh, so they celebrate that. Then they try again to do a big celebration on the 7th of September. And their take, the Liberals' take on this, was that in the 7th of September, on the 7th of September, Pedro responded to the desire of the nation. And that's a political argument that subordinates the monarch to the nation. That's the liberal view that the monarch's power is conditional and dependent on support from the nation. Who constitutes the nation? All that's a whole other, other set of set of issues. Um, and, and then the police actually prevent them from doing this or try to prevent them from doing this. They don't let them give a license. They don't give them a license to hold a celebration in the Paseo Público where they want to hold it. And as this liberalism gained more traction, so did September 7th. As a celebration of the king and the monarchy, October 12th went against their republican and democratic aspirations and ideals. Amid dissent from the current regime, these two days of national commemoration became a source of political debate. And Pedro's supporters put a huge investment in celebrating the 12th of October, which is an enormous uh, celebration celebrating the monarchy, the monarchy's rights and powers, and a whole different vision of the of the regime. Doesn't mean that 12th of October was more important than such September or more popular. It was that it meant some very different things. So people were making a certain political argument about the monarchy. For those descending from the regime, the monarchy was dependent, conditional, and below the nation. Thus, a day commemorating the power of the citizenry and the country itself should hold greater significance than one celebrating the king. The decline of October 12th was solidified with Dom Pedro's abdication in 1831, which not only demonstrated the power of the people over the monarch, as celebrated on September 7th, but also the fragility of a day of commemoration centered around one failed individual. When uh, Pedro abdicates, and at that point, of course, it's impossible to to celebrate it as a day of national festivity. Although the, the crazy thing was that nobody remembered this until um, a couple of days before the 12th of October and, and Parliament then had to scramble to um, abolish that day as a day of national festivity in time for the 12th of October. So 
And the news of that, of course, wouldn't have got to the rest of the Brazil. So technically in 1831, the 12th of October was still a, a day of national festivity throughout the empire. Radical liberals secured an even bigger victory in 1889 with the abdication of Dom Pedro's son, Dom Pedro II, and the proclamation of Brazil's republic. With the new state and its leaders' opposition to the old regime, they sought to rid the country of all monarchical legacies. Portraits of the royals were taken down and efforts were made to scrap all previous holidays linked to the royal family. However, they still needed to maintain a sense of national identity. The Republic very quickly makes um, makes peace with the with the monarchy and kind of becomes part of a continuity uh, of of, uh, of regimes in which, um, if you're on a, a radical Republican way, you can reject the the empire and say that you know Pedro. Um, diverted the cause of Brazilian independence to a monarchy, which should have become a republic. With this liberal point of view, they continue commemorating September 7th. But now, the days of the Imperial Grandeur and the royal pomp were behind them. The celebration took on a very different appearance. But you also get that kind of militarization of patriotism in the schools that's becoming very noticeable in the uh, in the, um, the first decade of the of the 20th century, and then accelerates through World War One era, and and then goes on through the Vargas era with the the Canto Orfeonico and these enormous uh, uh, celebrations of the uh, of set of the well, the Semana da Patria, as they called it. Instead of galas in palaces, garrisons took to the streets, removing the figure of Dom Pedro and all traces of the monarchy. The Republic instead idolized figures such as Tiradentes, a leader of the Inconfidencia Mineira, a revolutionary movement in the colonial era that fought for the full independence of Brazil from Portugal. In 1922, for the independence centennial, a World Expo was held in the capital, Rio de Janeiro. Um antigo projeto de comemorar o centenário da independência do Brasil com algo de grandioso que mostrasse uma vida de 100 anos. Finalmente transformou-se em realidade no dia 7 de setembro de 1922, quando o presidente Epitácio Pessoa inaugurou a exposição internacional da independência. Urbanizing and transforming the city into a modern European center, the centenary celebrations display the progress Brazil had made in its first 100th year of history. Países industrializados ao lado da expressão econômica e social do Brasil em 1922. Even as the republic was overthrown in 1930, the dictatorship of Getúlio Vargas only heightened this militarism and fervent patriotism with the Semana da Pátria, or Week of the Homeland. Brazil celebrates the 120th anniversary of her independence with a mobilization of manpower ready and determined to fight for that freedom. From the palace, President Getúlio Vargas reviews the popular demonstration. Later, during Brazil's military dictatorship, beginning in 1964, the regime took after Vargas in their use of their armed forces and parades, a tradition that continues today. During the dictatorship, you, you get again a reinvestment in this kind of um, militarized patriotism. Uh, most exemplary, of course, is the uh, the sesquicentennial uh, of independence, which is this massive uh, investment on the part of the military regime uh, with with the uh, the centerpiece of the the return of Pedro the first body uh, from from where it was buried in, in Portugal. These practices and traditions have retained their prominence until today. 
For instance, in 2022, the bicentennial will be marked with the slightly macabre transfer of Dom Pedro I's preserved heart from Portugal to Brazil. But the last two years have seen the most radical change in the September 7th commemoration for some time. In 2021, far-right President Jair Bolsonaro encouraged his supporters to take to the streets on Independence Day to protest against the country's Supreme Court. Two major demonstrations took place in Brasilia and Sao Paulo, where the president's supporters espoused Puch's messages calling for military intervention and the closure of the judiciary. Bolsonaro just um, passed away the traditional celebration and uh, substituted by a, a celebration of, of himself. Citizens now fear what might happen this year, as September 7th will occur less than one month before the highly contested presidential election. Bolsonaro, who is currently not favored to win, has continuously questioned the voting system and preemptively suggested that he may not accept the results. Besides his attempts to transfer the military parade to Copacabana Beach in Rio de Janeiro, Bolsonaro has turned a day of national festivity into one of personal adulation, almost reminiscent of the importance of the Empire Places on October 12th. All of these commemorations of, of, of independence are political, right? Because they're making a certain kind of argument about the past that informs the present. But in Brazil, that past includes the establishment of a post-independence monarchy, its violent domination of the territory and prolongation of slavery, and legacies of authoritarianism, dictatorships, and coups. It is clear that Independence Day means different things to different Brazilians, and has done so since the 1820s. Throughout the series, we have sought to go beyond the received knowledge about Brazil's independence from Portugal and explain the roots of the country's emancipatory traditions. This year's independence bicentennial, if President Bolsonaro's declarations and signals were taken at face value, this September 7th could be his stage to launch a power grab ahead an election he runs the risk of losing. Whether the possibility comes to pass or not is anyone's guess at this stage. Regardless, this year's commemorations are set to write a new chapter in Brazil's independence lore. We at the Brazilian Report will follow these developments closely, and you can stay up to date by subscribing to our website, brazilian.report. 1822 was written and produced by Eric Zockman, edits and fact-checking by Ewan Marshall. If you like the series, please rate our podcast with five stars. It only takes a second and it will help us reach a broader audience. Or, better yet, sign up for The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model and your subscriptions fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. If you're already a subscriber, then you can give us some extra support by filling our coffee mugs with donations on Buy Me A Coffee. This membership program offers special perks like behind-the-scenes content and exclusive newsletters. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash report for more. We want to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Felipe Saito, Jose Rosi Stankovic, Gabriela Graf Ines, Emerging Market Muser, Yadin Iftar, Tonica Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, 
Fra, Peter Suffren, Anna Lan, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. I'm Caroline Coutinho, and thank you for listening. <laughs>